Blog Talk Radio. The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian. Good morning, this is Dr. Caroline O'Sullivan, and you are listening to Holistic Pet Care with Dr. O. The show is on every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Arizona time, that is, or maybe even 9 to 9.30 a.m. It's hard to tell. It changes week to week. Um, I want to ask all of our listeners to go ahead and like us on Facebook at Holistic Pet Care with Dr. O, and we also have a Twitter page, Dr. O DVM. So we can stay in constant contact about the show and other issues that are important to you, including questions and if you have topics that you would like us to talk about on this show, that would be great. And soon, very, very soon, within the next week or so, um, we will be going live on YouTube and hang, uh, Google, dot, Google Plus Hangouts, and then the audio version will be played on blogtalkradio.com backslash Sylvia Global where you're listening to us right now. So the show is going to be expanding to all different ways of listening and viewing, which is going to be fun. We'll have lots of fuzzy um, creatures and great topics and people that you'll love to see and hear about. So keep in touch. Like I said, Facebook, Holistic Tech Care with Dr. O, and Twitter, Dr. O DVM. And as always, I want to give my utmost thanks to Sylvia Global Media Network for making this whole thing possible in the first place. So let's get to business because we've only got 28 more minutes with our wonderful, wonderful guest today. Her name is Becky Gang, and she's going to be talking to us about pet therapy. Now, this is something that um, is, is crucial to the human-animal bond, whether it's happening inside your house or, as Becky's going to talk about, in a more, let's say, professional, trained, licensed capacity with people that actually know what they're doing, unlike myself, and can go in and help people that wouldn't normally get the benefit of having our four-legged fuzzies in their lives. So, Becky, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Glad to be on. Now, uh, will you please give the world a brief introduction and bio of you and your involvement with pet therapy and those types of things? Sure. Um my husband and I moved to Las Vegas from Phoenix, and I didn't know a soul here, but I knew that I wanted to do some things with my dogs. So I met a dog trainer, and and one thing led to another, and next thing I knew, I was testing my dogs to be therapy dogs. And about a year later, I also became a tester, so I could test new therapy dogs as well. And I've been doing it now for about 14 years. Um, as of January, I retired from testing dogs, and I'm just basically doing therapy dog work with my own dogs now. Well, so there's a, that, that was a really, really large statement, Becky. So first of all, you're, you were on the student side of it being tested with your dogs, and then you transitioned to being a, a tester. So what's involved in that? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dog owner, and I want to go in and out of hospitals and help people and do wonderful programs with my dogs. 
where do I where do I start or what kind of skills am I looking at in my dog or when you get that urge to go, hey, you know what, I think I want to do pet therapy, where where does somebody go and what are they looking for in their dog? Well, um, you can Google uh, therapy dog programs on the Internet. Uh, there are three large groups, national groups, Therapy Dogs International, Therapy Dogs Incorporated, and the Delta Society has their pet partners program. And then there's other smaller programs. Um, I was a tester for Therapy Dogs Incorporated, and we had a specific test that we went by. Um, It was pretty much, in a nutshell, it was basic obedience on a dog, and they had to get along with other dogs because we didn't always work by ourselves. So that was really important. And it was pretty much sit, uh, walking loosely on a leash, um, some downstays, but nothing, you know, major. I mean, it was just your dog basically had to have a great personality like people, like other dogs, and also the human, um, because the dogs don't do the talking when you go in to visit. So it's a team effort. Right, right, right. So, so um my uh, my dog has got these personality traits, and then I look up TDI or Delta Society or those types of things, and I locate a a. Now, what's involved in that? Is that days, weeks, months, uh, retesting and certification? Is it insurance? What kind of obligation to just the testing process am I looking at? Okay, with Therapy Dogs Incorporated, uh, we we did the test, and then each dog or. Each team had to do three to four what we call probation visits with the tester observer, and that would entail going into nursing homes, uh, hospices, hospitals, and we would observe them as a team to make sure they were working together and doing things properly. Um, And then later on they would let us do one non-medical visit like at a a park or like at a Lowe's, any place that would let us come in, PetSmart, um, it was all to observe and see how the team worked together, um, and I would give them little tips on how to greet somebody in a wheelchair, and mm. uh, and it was also helpful too because people think, oh, this is a wonderful thing to do, therapy dog work, and they get all tested and done, and then they don't have an idea where they are want to want to go to do visits. So a lot of people know they want to do therapy dog work, but they just don't know where and how to get involved and get started. Right. So, okay, so which is actually exactly what happened with me and actually Daphne, who you know, uh, when we got here to Prescott, Arizona, I was in the same kind of state of affairs, like, okay, I'm here and I got a great dog and I want to be involved and I don't know what to do. So uh, with the um, certification, is it a certification that you get from TDI? Is it like a diploma or is that a little badge or, you know, a placard that you wear in a piece of plastic oh. around their necks or yeah it, every organization is different like I said with the three major national organizations they all have different testing they have different qual- you know uh, qualifications and everyone is a little bit different but overall like with Therapy Dogs Incorporated uh, once you took your test and I passed you on the probation visits mailed in all your paperwork they would send you back an identification card and then the dog got a little red heart that said, I am a therapy dog, and that had to be worn on their collar when they were doing visits. And then um, if you went to a facility, most places would ask you for your um, ID card, and we are covered by insurance. As long as you're doing a a scheduled therapy dog visit, um, under our group, 
you couldn't take your dog to work and call that therapy dog work so that, you know, you weren't covered that way. But if you're going into a nursing home, hospice, whatever you were doing, you're covered by insurance for those visits. All right. And so um, with with the insurance piece of it, your the dogs that are covered under um, the therapy dogs incorporated or other organizations, there are parameters for that. Is it I have to go and I have to get my vaccines or my fecal test yeah. or my this test or my heartworm test or, or a general uh, wellness exam? Uh, what kind of parameters on the veterinary side? Because you do all of the um, temperament, personality, obedience, all of that wonderful things for both both human and doggy partner. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then when it comes to medicine and insuring them, is there a veterinary piece of it, a medical piece of it? Most definitely on the application when you apply to uh, even take the test before testing, we have to have proof of uh, a negative fecal test and mm-hmm. also proof of rabies. Those are the ones we look for. Um, and then, uh, you know, whatever is required by the state that you live in. Um, and then right. every year when you renew your membership, uh, you have to have a form signed by your veterinarian saying the dog is healthy and can continue working and that the shots are updated, rabies is current, and the fecal is negative. And, you know, that's really important if you're going into a facility. You, you don't want your dog to have any parasites if you're working with other dogs and especially with, with humans because some things can be transferred. Right, exactly. And that the um, the facilities and such, um, such as you listed with, like, the Nathan Adelsons and the Caring Place and Pause for Reading and such, these are intimate interactions between our dog friends and the patients or the children or the, um, uh, let's see, the staff of these um, facilities and such. So everyone wants to make sure that we're as you know, safe as possible. Now, um, when you have gone through all of the, the our testing and our veterinary visits and our certification and our insurance and such, is it TDI or Delta that has the list of facilities that invite your dogs and you as partners in to, for visits, or is it something you set up on your own using the list, or you're only covered if it's um, the visits arranged by TDI or, or the group? How does that work? Um, you get support once you get your certification? Um, with, with Therapy Dogs Incorporated, they didn't have a list because we're nationwide, so it was pretty oh, much left oh. up to the tester observers to uh, find the facilities. We do have a local canine therapy group here that is in addition that people could join. It's like a social group, and they would do things. Um, and I used to belong to that group, and we had a list of facilities. But what I did was I was seeing us, we were losing a lot of people uh, because they didn't know where to go. So um, I made up a list of facilities that I knew of and contact names that people could call. And I always tell people, too, you know, if you don't have a list and there's a place that you want to visit and your dog is already a therapy dog and has its insurance and everything, to go to the facility without your dog and introduce yourself to the activities director or who's ever in charge of the volunteers and say, I have a therapy dog and would you be interested? You could go to a library. Uh, We've done our reading program at the libraries. You could go to a school and introduce yourself, excuse me, to the principal or whoever. Um, You know, there's the opportunities are endless. um, And sometimes I think like living where you are, it's more of a remote area. 
people kind of have to take it upon themselves to go to these places and maybe even know ahead of time before you test your dog, gee, I'd like to do a hospice or I'd like to do this nursing home or I, you know, I'd like to do a reading program at a, at a school. So, right. you know, you're, that it, it's pretty much open to whatever you want to do. Right. Now, now we're, some, we're, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to pitch some, facility, some facilities have requirements like uh, the hospice I volunteer at. There's volunteer training you have to take. And mm. then they do, they do TB testing. They do a background check. So some of the places that you go to, it's pretty involved. You can't just walk in the door with your dog and say, I'm here. Um, <laughs> even, yeah, and even the nursing homes, like 14 years ago when I started this, the nursing homes really didn't require a lot. You just came in and introduced yourself and did visits. And now they're even getting more where they want you to have a TB test and, and training. And so each facility will be different as well as what they require of the human prior to walking in the door with your dog. So there's a lot involved. It's not just saying, oh, I think I want to be, you know, do therapy dog work. Uh, I think I'll just show up at the hospital or wherever. It's it's really involved, the testing, the paperwork, the probation visits, and whatever else is required. And then the human going through all of their orientation and requirements by the facility as well. So it, it yeah, takes a little bit to get going. <laughs> well, it's, it's such a commitment, isn't it? I mean, because yeah. you're going to go through all of these 10, 12, 15, 25 steps, and then when you start down this road, you have to be committed that this is something yeah. that you want to do for you and your four-legged friend, but also for all of the people that you're going to touch, all the people's lives you're going to touch, and that when you say even, you know, I'm, I'm having flashbacks of our time together in Vegas about trying to find that extra couple hours to schedule something for something training and do a test, do this and do that, do this, do that. It's like, wow, I mean, wow. <laughs> you know, with your priorities, yeah. you just, you know, it, it is, it's such a commitment. So for people that are listening that might see our therapy dogs or might go into a hospital or a hospice or a reading program for children, that to please thank both human and four-legged friend for doing these things. This isn't like Becky said where they just come off the street and say, hey, isn't my dog cute? Here, you know, give us a pet. It's not like that. It's, it's a true commitment and heart and soul and time, effort, finances to do this, to go in and volunteer your time and your intent in these wonderful places. So it, it's a lot bigger than it seems on the surface, and the people that do it, do deserve so much respect and a good pat on the back, a really good attaboy, and like doing things that a lot of people wouldn't think maybe to do or wouldn't have the time to do or wouldn't make it a priority. And if I'm not mistaken, Becky, this is going in and trying to bring joy and some sort of hospice, for, the, for lack of a better word, to strangers, yes? That, that's yeah. that's yeah. the way it works, and- isn't it? Yeah, and I and I can say mostly like in the nursing homes, a lot of these patients don't get visitors. So when you make a commitment to come once a week to see these people, they honestly look forward to you coming. And, and if you don't come, it's a big disappointment for them. And, yes, everybody's human. Your schedule's changed. Um, I remember in Phoenix I did a little bit of therapy dog work down there, and this lady every week would save a banana for my dog. I mean, my dog didn't <laughs> like bananas. <laughs> but you know, she saves her banana off her lunch tray every every week for our dog, so she would have something. You know, and, and, and it may seem silly to some people, but that gave her something to look forward to. 
Oh and, yeah, and that yeah. not only is some, but that that interaction, you know, it's like just. I mean, I don't know. I know you do it, but for me, I mean, the idea of sharing with our 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 four legged friends, our companions, and such, whether it's a banana or a piece of our sandwich or whatever it is, <laughs> the, the bone that comes across at the bank teller's office, those types of things. But having our having our friends at hospice or at skilled nursing or wherever it is that we happen to be visiting, having the um, I you know the the intent and the bond, but also some people would think that that forward thinking and that scheduled thinking or planning those types of things are some of the aspects that humans might lose as time goes on or as they're in facilities where things are same 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 same. So I think that there are many many things that these visitations and these dogs or cats or ferrets or whatever they are bring to people that get these visitations, and it sounds so clinical when I say it that way, but um, can you, Becky, go into some of the woo-woo piece of it, and I know that's true, with regard to decreasing heart rates, increasing endorphins, you know, increasing basically joy, you know, smile, appetite, those types of things, and then I know that from my experience and stories I've heard that our dogs are so intuitive to not only the health of our you know, the folks that we visit in these centers now, but also sometimes in the future. Um, can you can you tell us some stories about the interactions with your, you know, you've brought, what, your chefs and your doves and everything like that into the hospitals, correct? Right. When I first started out, I, I went like every day. It seemed like I was so excited about doing all this. But Mike, our German shepherd, loves to play ball, as you know, Dr. O'Sullivan, he could get three or four tennis balls in his mouth at one time. <laughs> at <laughs> one time, that is. One time. Yeah, one time. Yeah. So we visited this uh, skilled care facility, and they, oh, Becky, they had... Becky, well, yeah, Becky, honey, I don't mean to cut you off, but we have a caller on the line. Sure. Um, what, yeah, why don't we go ahead and take our callers right now? Sure. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Dr. O. Good morning, Becky. How are you? Very well. How, how can we help you this morning? Thank you for calling. Oh, thank you for being on the air. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, are companion dogs still the the dogs that can, you know, kind of like sense that, that someone is in trouble or having a heart attack or things like that? Is that considered being a, a companion dog, or is there special training for for that? Um, I would think that would fall more into the service dog category, service dog. which, I, yeah, I'm not really um, up on all the things about service dogs, um, but that seems to be what that that dog would fit into that category. Yeah, there's a, there's a difference between the service dogs, you know, have a one set of training, one set of together. Service dogs are specialty trained dogs for events, like you're, you're, you know, the caller asks about whether it's heart attack or if it's diabetes or it's seizures or, you know, those types of things, um, low blood sugar, um, and those, those are, have a completely different uh, set of licensing and credentials and those types of things, yeah. which actually is a, is a very good topic for discussion uh, down the road because there's some controversy with that at this point in time with service dogs and credentialing and licensing and such. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that's, that's a different topic. But, um, thank you, caller, for calling in because you brought up a really, really important point that pet therapy dogs and service dogs are not the same thing. Is that fair to say, right. They okay. are not. So they're very, very much so different. Um, and it's, um, it, both of them serve such important roles 
in society and uh, with regard to the services and the joy that they bring to the human piece, but one of them is um, the service dogs are many times doing a medical service, a medical service. So um, let, thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. Um, Becky, can we get back to some of your experiences in the, um, uh, your visits to, let's say, the hospice or um, cancer support centers or even the, you know, the reading with Rover or pause for reading in local programs? What do you, what do you see with the people that interact with your dogs? Well, I'll go back to that little story with Mike and his tennis balls. Um, yes. we were, we, the skilled nursing facility had a lot of Alzheimer's patients. And maybe for the caller that just called in is how you kind of distinguish between service dogs and therapy dogs is therapy dogs can do something physical like Mike would, the, they would put the patients in their wheelchairs and some of them would be like asleep and they wouldn't communicate with you and you just thought, oh, this is a waste of time. But I remember one day we were in a circle and everybody's taking turns throwing the ball to Mike and he would bring it back. And this lady, like, I thought she could have cared less. And we gave her the ball and that woman had an arm. She whipped that ball across <laughs> the room and I was just, I still remember that day. It was like, oh my gosh. And um, these people just would kind of light up when they would see the dog. I mean, they didn't know what they had for breakfast an hour ago. But when Mike would come, they also got that physical uh, work out with their arms, throwing the dog, uh, the ball to the dog. Now, service dogs will actually perform a duty. If you think about maybe a guide dog or a dog that works for somebody in a wheelchair picking things up, that right. is more of a service dog. But even though Mike, you know, Mike did those things, he's still a therapy dog. Um, so uh, that's one incident with older folks and Alzheimer's patients, how he would just bring some life into the room uh, just by tossing the ball, and it was amazing. Uh, and then to go visit patients, he would sit in the room and look out the door like, when are we going home? So that can kind of <laughs> lead into another, another topic where you may think your dog wants to be a therapy dog. He may have other ideas like staying home watching Animal Planet. And right. each facility is different. There's different energy. And yeah. I've done yeah. this for a long time. Um, a friend of mine, German Shepherd, Jan Shepherd Ruger, uh, we tested him to be a therapy dog at hospice. He came, he did his probation visits. He's okay with everything. And one day, day Jan came and Ruger would not get out of the car. He decided yeah. hospice was not his thing. So, right. um, yeah, that's another important thing for people to understand is you may think you want to do a hospital, nursing home, your dog may have other ideas. So that that's, you know, part of it. Um, with hospice, uh, a lot of times patients are medicated and not communicative. They can't communicate with me, um, but we will put some of the smaller dogs in bed with the patients and they'll move their hands and, and pet the dog. And I actually spend a lot of time with the patient's family members because they're, out of, they're here from out of town visiting. They're away from their own pets. And I also spend a lot of time with the staff because they have a very stressful job and it's a oh. diversion for them. And, yeah, and the, um, yeah. I used to do with my, you remember my little girl, Fedora, she used yeah. to do hospice. She used to do hospice work in, um, in when I was in Connecticut with her, and uh, it was it was amazing when she would she would just lay there on the bed, and yeah. you know the patient would either have her hand on her or start to make mini strokes uh, on you know her and such. She was such a quiet soul, but the family interaction when the family start to you know watch their their family member with the dog, or they start to tell stories, or they start to feel more comfortable in it. The staff at these places have, you know, amazingly stressful jobs, but the families 
of the patient there as well are under 24 hour just shocking amount of stress. So yeah. I think that I think that the therapy dogs do, you know, not only a dual service but everyone that comes in contact with them um, definitely is benefiting from them being there. I guess that. That comes with the caveat if they're dog people, right? But um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I got some seriously wonderful stories, and that I know that um, you know personally when my dad was in hospital and so like that, the only thing he wanted three things before he died: I want to sleep in my bed, I want to sit on my porch, and I want to see my dog. And that was it. I mean, I, I just want to see my dog. I'm like, yeah. fair enough. Well, fair enough. We can do that. So yeah. um, I think that the whatever these whatever these therapy pets, these therapy dogs in this case, bring to people. I don't I don't think we can get a, for me personally, I don't think we can get a full understanding of the depth and the breadth of which these people benefit, just like, you know, all the rest of us, but we're usually at home benefiting from these guys or, you know, having to shake our head. Um, so, if, Becky, if you had a couple minutes to tell our listening audience and tell the world about if you were considering um, delving into the pet therapy world or you maybe had a facility that you think, oh, my gosh, you know, they could benefit from dogs being there or schools. What would you, as with 14 years of experience on every side of pet therapy, tell people uh, about how to get involved? We've got a couple of minutes to talk about that. Well, I think it would be a good idea to, first of all, know where you may want to go visit. Um, that's very helpful. Maybe even research it before you actually test your dog. Um, go and see what type of time commitment people are going to ask of you because some of these facilities like hospice that I go to, they ask us to come same time every week. They want us on a schedule. Some places are more flexible. You can just drop in unannounced. Um, but a lot of places now, actually some of these, uh, they're, they're therapies and uh, they're required by Medicare. So we have to go in and oh. fill out paperwork. We see every patient I see at hospice, I have to fill out paperwork for those patients. It goes in their chart. So Ew. a lot of these places are very involved. And so, you know, and I think you just have to think about the commitment that you're going to make to doing this. And I think that's the problem. A lot of people go into it not really knowing the commitment, and then they go through the testing and the probation visits and, and you know, your vet visits, and there's a, there's a fee to join. And, you know, and then it's like, oh, maybe this is way too much you know, more than I want to do. I may want to wait till I'm retired because I'm working full time. And, oh, yeah, you know, you do, yeah, definitely. And like I said, yeah, and like I said, you do a disservice to yourself and also to the people that are waiting there every week for you to come. You know, and yeah. like some places aren't like that either. You know, there are places that say come whenever you can. So maybe research those options before you dive into. And also with us, your dog had to be at least a year old. Um, they... They can't be under a year old. The other um, organizations may have different requirements, so it would be good to research Therapy Dogs Incorporated, International, and Delta to go on their websites and see what's required of you. Take a look at their test. Ours was on the Internet. You could pull it up and see what the test involves and the application and, um, you know, just getting involved in the testing part of it as well. So I think being prepared like that, you'll, you kind of know what you're walking into rather than going, oh, I saw a therapy dog at hospice today. I want to do that. You know, right. and then, then you realize, wow, this was a lot more work than I thought. Well, what about, what about your human-animal bond, Becky? And what do you think, what do you think are the benefits of not only your relationship with your four-legged friend, 
but the the, the uh, all of the mm, the energy, all of the services, all of the joy, all all of the stuff that bringing your pet therapy dog to a facility and sharing with people that may not have that opportunity. What what are your thoughts on that in our last minute or so? The, you know, I, I'm looking for my human animal bond here and what the benefits for all parties involved are, and not just paperwork and not just time, not just commitment, not just time, but my soul. In my soul. What, what, what are your thoughts? I think it's it's just a wonderful thing for people to be able to pet a dog. If if I was laying in a bed in a hospital or a nursing home, that would just make my day. And yeah. um, even people that are not animal lovers uh, reach out to the dogs. It's truly amazing. I could go on and on about all my experiences with my dogs. And um, it, I actually feel guilty when I don't go. I'm I'm very committed to this, and I see the the blessings it brings to people and, and the children when they read, how it improves their reading skills. Um, it's just amazing. So it's just a wonderful opportunity to give back and yeah. to create a bond with your dog. It's a it's a working bond that you can't explain. And um, I, I can't say enough about it. It's a wonderful thing to do. Well, Becky, thank you so much for your time and your energy. And I, I wanted to share one last thing with everyone that's listening, that when you do work like Becky's doing, when you do therapy work, it is a in-your-face reminder of how fortunate you are. And like yeah. every, every single visit, every single person reminds you about how lucky you are. So it's, it's a good use of time. It is a really good use of time. Becky, thank you so much. To hang out here with us for a while. <laughs> so I appreciate it. I miss you guys. So, for all of our, our listeners, uh, please stay in touch. Do the Facebook, Holistic Pet Care with Dr. O, Twitter on Dr. O DVM. Continue with blogtalkradio.com, Sylvia Global, and listen in every week. Um, let's start a dialogue about how we can be more helpful for you and everything uh, your pet needs. And once again, thank you so much to Sylvia Global Media Network, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, Becky. Bye. The information discussed during the show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian.